Muna just brought me that there's a little sound. I think that it is this. <laughs> it's, it's kind of my the thing I hold on to. <laughs> so I try to keep it close, but So in the in the first of Tongmesangpo, there is it ends with this proclamation, with this invitation: um, give up your life, which uh, might stir up some responses. Give up your life. And maybe it's good to uh, you know reflect upon uh, that what what uh, what might he mean with uh, give up your life definitely it's not uh, a nihilistic statement or a kind of a resignation So maybe I can read what uh, Ken McLeod uh, writes about this in his commentary. Give up your life, give it all up. Do not base your life on what can be taken away from you. Wealth, possessions, health, family, friends, fame, respect, even your own life. So do not base your life on, on what can be taken away from you. Just do it now. <laughs> so practice instruction like this also are invitation to become aware right now. Where do you base your life on wealth, possessions, health, family, friends, fame, respect? And if for a moment you relax that,
because uh, soon this all will be taken away from you. That's a fact. You can't deny that. If you, have the, if you have the good fortune to have families, to have family, friends, wealth or respect, savor them knowing that they all must come to an end sooner or later. Now, th th that's what I, I think that's the main thing I want to share tonight. Uh, I tried to say that in the beginning that knowing that this relationship this tree this body this this will end And knowing that it, that it is ending, that it is dying, makes it so precious. Knowing that this will end my love, my friendship, the wonderful people in my life, makes them so precious. Because right now I can still love them. I can still be present to them. I can still feel them, and smell them, and hear them. Knowing that this tree outside will die makes me want to Serve them, protect them, heal them, even knowing that they are dying, that it is hopeless, that I can't save this tree. That I can't save my mother. that I can't save this planet. But do not base your life on holding on to them, Ken McCloyd says. And then he makes a suggestion, instead, And that might not be your conclusion, but instead, do what life calls for in each moment. 
So, my mother is dying. What, what life calls for in each moment? And does not life call for love, caring, sharing, generosity, planting trees? even if you know that they will not survive the climate change. And do, the, and do so without any gaining idea. Not because, you know, planting some trees in Denmark will change the fact that the trees in Denmark will dying, but because that's just the right thing to do, what life calls for. Any thought that you will ever see or enjoy the result of your actions. So without any gaining idea. Any thought that you will ever see or enjoy the result of your actions. That makes so much sense to me. I don't know why. I just it's just the right thing to plant trees. It's just the right thing to participate in the healing of that person which is in front of you, which is dying. Do it because your life calls for it. And of course, I'm not saying we all should go out now and planting trees, but what is it what you give in writing, in painting, in singing, in touching, in sharing the gifts you have to give because life calls for it? Feeding your cats, watering the plants in your house, being kind to your neighbor taking care of your kids, making breakfast for your husband. Showing up. To do so without any gaining idea. Any thought that you will ever see or enjoy the results of your actions. I mean, you are, 
we are really in big trouble if we expect that planting trees, whatever we do, to be engaged. When we do that with the hope of enjoying the results of our actions. Do it because your life calls for it, nothing more. Ironically, it is hard to imagine a more fulfilling way to live. Maybe some of you are really touched and feel are open to the catastrophe of our times. And um, there's probably a lot uh, you could say to that or a lot of ideas what we could do different and so on. Maybe some of you are engaged in animal protection or sustainable living. Yeah, but uh, what I would like to say tonight is let's really love that tree as long as it lasts. Let's really enjoy this next breath. as long as this lasts. Let's try to be present to our mother and our father and our kids and our dog and cat as long as they are around and as long as I am happening to be present. And then, if we take the suggestion of Ken McCloy to do what life calls for, what our goodness calls for, what our 
what our generosity calls for, our skills calls for. We all have different skills to share. We have different ways to shine. And to, do, and to shine without a gender. Without hope, without hope and fear. So are there any questions, comments, something you want to add to my reflections? I just have a question about the quote that you gave at the beginning. I didn't get the third line, I think. Could you give yeah. it again, please? So this is from the 37 practices of a Bodhisattva. You will separate from long-time friends and relatives. I'm thinking about um, a video clip uh, I saw uh, about a plane crash and there were uh, some people who survived and uh, they were interviewed and um, one of the men interviewed, they said, well, this experience really changed my life because now I realized how precious my family is and that through running around and being busy and following my career, I, I'm missing the time with them. 
And when I said that, it, of course, it makes sense. Wow, kind of someone wakes up to see what is really precious in life. But is it? So you will separate from longtime friends and relatives. You will leave behind the wealth you work to build up. That's so, so amazing to acknowledge that we are living in a time where the majority of us, and you know, that's also part of our of our conditioning uh, that there's that myth around that life is about building up wealth and possessions. And we will leave that behind. The guest, your consciousness will move from the in your body. That's the part I didn't get. So the guest, your consciousness, will move from the inn, the inn, not the, the house, your body. So that is referring to the Buddhist myth that yeah, it's true. The body will die. You will we will leave the friends and relatives and we will leave behind all the way the wealth we build up. But consciousness will move on from your body. Kemekloet finishes commentary of this uh, this uh, first with what happens to the guest. No one knows; it's a mystery. So it's a bit, and that's also what I. I mean, I'm also talking about, about, you know, and leading meditations into uh, your awareness and things like that. But I also like that no one knows it's a mystery. And that's difficult. It, it kind of feels nice for the me, for the I, uh, to think of continuity, of you know, something we can take refuge into, something 
which is lasting, which will not die. And I like that. I really love that. But uh, I also, I'm drawn to that not knowing that. And I have my favorite myths, my favorite words and concepts uh, of taking refuge. Uh, But I also like that place of not knowing, even leaving that behind. Can I add something? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I really enjoyed the that what which was almost like the a pre meditation in the in the beginning around. Um, around really loving what's here in the present moment Mm. and um, and I feel like this was uh, like there was something really powerful around it that made me like completely stop and just like sliding into this sense of being Mm. and um, so afterwards I just reflected a bit like what is it exactly that like there's this difference around like you can um, something you can sometimes you can really point to something and then something opens very deeply or you Mm. Because it was not it was not so much the reflection itself that uh, was helpful for me. I think it was more like um, like leaning into this uh, this atmosphere or this yeah. ultimate truth, or <laughs> that it's definitely worth loving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is a there is a way to to share that kind of experience you describe through 
you know, positive affirmations or, you know, like stillness or awareness or there's a goodness presence of God or something like that. And but there's also that way of The other way, <laughs> what you described, which <laughs> yeah. is a bit scary, maybe. So that's why I maybe tend to uh, go more into the kind of Mahamudra awareness teachings. Um, but then um, there's definitely also people who who can't uh, who are who are not um, who can't connect with these words of there's goodness there's A loving presence but then in the letting go and in the not knowing there's not nothing Give up your life. And then if you give up your life, there is not nothing. And um, just noticing what is right now, what is um, you know, 
what is happening in terms of processes trying to hold on to something. Yeah, but, or you know, some words, some grasping, some trying to find a, a ground of concepts to, to stabilize, to make sense of what I'm saying and what is happening here. Just notice that and give it up. And probably right now we are in a position where that giving up is maybe only a split of a second. It's like, ah! Give up your child. Give up your lover. Give up your life. Give up, give up your body. Give up the projects you are involved in. You know, just give it all up. Can I ask a question, Stephen? Yes. Um, I can actually really relate to you know the giving up part and and also somehow imagine you know taking the steps towards that direction. But I at the same time I can feel like a very uh, intense anxiety uh, mm-hmm. once I once yeah. I and I let go. Um, and this is what brings me back to, you know, mm. holding on to stuff mm. and people and, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because it feels safe somehow. Yeah. Um, mm. so that's, yeah. What, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? the anxiety part or like the mm-hmm. how to, because you know, you can see what's going on. It's not like you don't know it, but it's like an emotional pull that is just pretty mm-hmm. intense. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I have been asked this question now, the, the last two sessions also, I mean, not exactly the same, but you know, um, probably I always give a different response uh, to that question. So it's a very common, uh, a, com- a common uh, experience you describe. Yeah, if you if if you go to that threshold right now, you know all of us, and and at one point that threshold will for all of us will appear, yeah, the threshold of so this letting go everything will be forced upon us.
I mean, that, that anxiety, that, that is like the, it's a kind of ground anxiety, which makes uh, us run and being busy and, um, It's like the anxiety behind capitalism and destroying this world. Consuming and entertaining and distracting. And uh, I think there's nothing, um, I mean, that's part of the uh, Buddhist uh, training of the Buddhist practice is to accept as uh, biological beings that it makes sense to create a sense of safety in connection, in relationship taking refuge, finding places to belong. I think it's uh, it's healthy and, and appropriate for us to, um, to accept that there are this there is this need for us. And, and in our practice, if you go through a traditional Buddhist training, there's a lot of that. But then uh, in the Buddhist tradition, you start to deconstruct that. You start to let go of that. You kind of, you create a safe container where you feel safe through protector practices, whatever, through the myths, through the relationship to your Lama, for taking refuge. But then the Buddha comes with the Heart Sutra and takes it all away. So for some of us, particularly if we have been in our psychological history, have not experienced the sense of being held, then probably that that little girl, that little boy, which didn't feel held, which was not in a holding environment, uh, fills up the space of things. Yeah. So that's then this overwhelming anxiety and uh, the need to grasp onto something. So it makes sense to go through a healing process knowing that the healing process of creating a safe container, a safe space is provisional. And then when the anxiety arises in our practice, recognizing it as also as being something 
unhealed in us. And maybe doing some work there. Uh, Creating a healthy body through body work, doing some inner child healing and stuff like that. And, And while you're doing that, all the time recognizing this is provisional, it's all concepts, it's something... No, I'm creating a safe container which is empty, which is not, it can't be a solid base because it's, it's a conditioned phenomena, it's created, it's made up. It can't be something to stand upon. So then um, uh, recognizing that kind of anxiety as a good sign as something, wow, I'm getting there. And a big part of our practice is to learn to swim in that threshold from uh, egocentric kind of living, a dual kind of living. I'm here, there's the world, the dualistic split. To learn to swim in that threshold and and being with that anxiety and seeing that anxiety as a good sign, it's a good it's a good place to to be. making that anxiety a a meditation object, exploring that anxiety, being with it. Where is it in the body? Noticing it is energy, it is um, changing. Maybe there's something one can give to that anxiety. Self-care, self-compassion, self-love talking to that scared little girl, that scared little boy, loving it, starting to love that anxiety, maybe personifying that anxiety, as giving it a name, hello, hi, you are welcome at the family table, I'm here for you. And then loving that anxiety to death by not finding it. But not finding it as something solid, real. Lama Supa says, uh, or at least I have heard him saying a few times that uh, the danger in that period of swimming in the threshold and uh, experiencing that anxiety, what would be 
don't know, a mistake or maybe a waste of time. Maybe a waste of time is to try to swim back to the to the shore and and solidify again. Uh, but of course, even if one does it uh, at one point, it will be obvious that that shore is also dying and passing, and something one needs to let go of at one point. So it's okay to swim back to the shore and try not to try not to know what you already know. Yeah, so. <laughs> so I think it's good to do whatever on a relative provisional level helps to create some stability and healing and holding and um, finding that in relationships and co-regulation of that anxiety. recognizing that part of the anxiety is connected with our psychological history and part of the anxiety is the collective anxiety. I mean, humankind is scared shit because we all know somehow And then uh, trusting more and more the ultimate medicine, which is loving awareness. And Appreciating that feeling, experiencing the light of loving awareness is something which needs to be cultivated and explored and put time into. Is that uh, somehow makes does that make sense, Nana? What I say? Yes, very much. Mm. Thank you. Yes. So. 
So there is a kind of a premature letting go of refuge of the relationship to the people we love relation uh, and a premature letting go of the connection with the lineage or with the Lama. We let go we let go of the raft which carries us over the river. Once we cross the river, then we let go of the raft. But while we are still paddling on that threshold between duality and non-duality, we, we hold on onto the raft. <laughs> 